voller Prophetien und Propheten. Ich weiß, es ist schwierig, aber ich erkläre euch schnell, was das ist. Prophet ist ein Mensch, der die Gabe bekommen hat, Gottes Botschaften und Offenbarungen zu empfangen und weiterzugeben. Er ist ein Sprachrohr Gottes. Ja, wie beim Alphorn spielen. And the topic is the prophetic, the prophecy of the Bible. Before I go into the, the preaching, I want to explain you there are four types of Bible, Bible things in the Bible. First of all, there are, can you bring the slide? Slide. Psst, slide. There are, yeah, there are some stories in the Bible, like two-thirds of the Bibles are written in a story language. And we have also the poetry. Poetry is like a, I call it like a flower language, very emotional, very flourish. It's very special words. And prophecy, I want to talk about that today. And the letters, I want to talk next Sunday about that. When you hear the word prophecy, I don't know what comes across your mind. What, what do you think about prophecy? I want to explain this in a very simple story. Uh, I was last weekend in, in Germany and I walked into the building and all of a sudden I had like a vision. I saw a lady and behind the lady was like a grizzly bear, a big grizzly bear. And I said to myself, why is there a grizzly bear in Germany? It's not like America or the Rocky Mountains or Canada. In Germany there are no such things as a grizzly bear. And then I forget the picture, and the next day I walked in again, and before I started preaching, the same picture came to my mind again. A lady, and one made it across, it's a grizzly bear, and in the grizzly bear was Jesus, and all of a sudden Jesus came out of the grizzly bear. And I had no clue what is the meaning about that. And the whole, the thing is like this, if you're like a prophet, sometimes God gives you like a picture, a dream, it makes no sense at all for you, right? But you're delivering the message from God, it makes even no sense. I said, okay, there's a lady in the room, I see you standing there behind you, one meter, it's a big, big, strong grizzly bear. I said it. And after my preaching, a guy came to me and said, Leo, I don't get it. I just thought about the grizzly bear story. We're living in Germany and there is no such thing as a grizzly bear. And I thought to myself, why a grizzly bear? And why only one meter from the woman? And was the grizzly bear like black or brown? How tall he was? And I thought about your prophetic words and I was not able to listen to your message anymore. And I said, yeah, that's exactly the point. Uh, because the prophetic word makes for you no sense. But for those who is the word, means, it means a lot. Later, a lady came to me and she, started, she cried like a river. And she said, you know, this grizzly bear story is a word for me. I said, can you, can you tell me the, the meaning of the grizzly bear in Germany? He said to me, you know, I grew up in a family When my father was really tough about Christianity, he said, God is a serious God, God is an angry God, God is a judge God. I grew up with this, and my father had so many hair all over, he looked like a grizzly bear. Some friends called him like grizzly bear. And he said to me, this picture was for me like profound. 
I knew exactly you speaking to me. There was like 1,500 people. It was direct to me. And I said, why, why, why Jesus came out of the grizzly bear? And she said to me, I have to be honest, I came here and I never had really a, a, a close relationship with Jesus Christ. And when out of the grizzly bear, all of a sudden Jesus appeared, came to me. It was for me like a message from Christ. I want to meet you. I want to redeem you. I want to save you. I want to be the real Jesus for you. And when she told me the story, I realized this is exactly about the prophetic books in the Bible. For those who is the prophetic word like a message, for those, they know exactly what God is talking about. But for some people, they're not in the circle, they have no clue about it, say, what's about the grizzly bear? I don't get it. And this is exactly like the prophetic words in the Bible. For those, they're meant, it touches you, it speaks to you, it's like life-changing. But for other people who have no clue about it, you have more question marks than before. Have you ever thought about why is the Bible so thick? I have to be honest, I don't like thick books. Uh, because my books are about 128 pages, a lot of pictures, and the, the letters are really big. <laughs> but have you ever thought about why is the Bible so thick? The answer is very simple. Because in every stage there were people... God wrote one chapter through a prophet, gave a prophetic word to the people. But the people didn't follow the, according what God spoke to them. And God has to read, write a third chapter, a fifth chapter, a sixth chapter. Then Jeremiah was nothing. He brought Josiah. He brought Ezekiel. God brought so many prophetic people because the people were not listening to the words of God. And the Bible is so thick that means we are not listening so much what God is saying to us. And the other message is the grace of God is so big because you cannot fall. You cannot drop out of the love of God. That God is repeating the same thing again, again. After 2,000 years, it means God is still on charge over your life. God is still looking and searching for your heart. There are different prophetic books in the Bible. There are the four big prophetic books like Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and the book of Daniel. Daniel is very good about diet. If you want to lose weight, you can read how you do it with water and vegetables. It's very healthy, but very boring. <laughs> we have about the other 12 uh, minor prophets, Hosea, Amos, Micah, Obadiah, Jonah, Joel, Naum, Habakkuk, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zachariah, Zechariah, and Malachi. Malachi. Malachi, yeah. But there's also one in the New Testament. It's the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation is actually a letter written to a certain, so to, to certain churches. And the thing is this, like this, God always choose prophets. And prophets are people, they see things, what God is doing in your life, through your life, and what, God, what is on God's heart. A prophet is not like a fortune teller, tells you about the future. It's more about what is God to do right now in your personal life. That's why I started the first point. Biblical prophecy sees the present and also your future. The prophetic sees the present and also the future, both in your life. Have you ever figured out when it comes to the word prophecy, 
a lot of people that are really crazy in, 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 in that kind of a topic, you know. That's like a Nostradamus, he told about the end of the world. There was like the, the Maya calendar, you know the Maya calendar? They told in the 21 of December 2012, the world comes to an end. And people went to the grocery store, bought a lot of drinks and, uh, and gummy bears, you know, just to survive. And we're still here, we're still not dead, you know, something is wrong. But there's also a lot of Christians that have like a hobby. Hobbies to figure out to the book of prophecy and everything. You can figure out about the numbers, about the lyrics, everything. When is the return of Jesus? Some people said the 13th of August, Jesus will come back. But all of a sudden, it's already September. And they say, no, 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 we made a mistake. It's the 23rd of October. No, it's my birthday. Um, and they love, they're coming up with so many ideas about the end time and the returns of Jesus Christ. Before I go into this point, I want to explain a little bit because I studied theology. I studied the Bible and everything. And sometimes it's so crazy what Christians are doing with the Bible. Like an example, some people said that the, the six-day six wars in Israel, you can read this also in the book of Revelation. Can you bring the picture here? The six days of a uh, year. They said in the 1967, if you read the Bible really careful, you can know exactly about this war. And other people say in the book of Revelation, it's written that the Russians are the bad guys. They're building the atomic bomb and Russia is really dangerous. Not Putin, Russian channel, you know. And some people came up with the monster. The Bible is saying there's a, an animal with six heads. And the Bible says in the book of Revelation, the animal comes out of the sea, has six heads. And a lot of Bible teachers are saying the six heads standing for the G6 states. The G6 states, but the six states are together. But all of a sudden there were seven, but they only have six heads. And often the whole story won't work anymore. But now we have G12. And they say, okay, uh, when, when, when for God something was really serious, God told all it always twice. Six and six is 12. Do you know that the internet, it's the Antichrist? Do you have internet? That's very dangerous. How I came up with the, that internet is Antichrist? It's very, very simple. Because... Um, I want to uh, draw it to you. I hope it works. The number 666. The number 666. Can you the iPad here? The number 666. Um, it's, it's this kind of letter because 666 in Hebrew, it means the sixth um, Buchstabe on the alphabet is this here. And this stands for W. Six is one W, six another W, six another W, W, W means internet. Internet is the Antichrist. Have you ever realized that? I mean, now you, you're choking, you're laughing, but I was in a, in a church in Germany and I made a selfie with, with the people like this. And the pastor said, don't do this again. I said, why? He said, we, nobody in our church is on internet. Because it's the Antichrist, 666-WWW. And Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter, everything is from the devil. And the whole church believing this because of the book of Revelation. 
You know, sometimes we study about Russian is bad, the G6 is now a G12, and the animal of the six heads, and, and the, the six-day wars, and, and the internet. We think about all the things, but we can miss the message from God in the Bible text. Let's go back to the book of Revelation, then I want to make a strong point this afternoon. Can you imagine uh, the first seven churches? The book of Revelation is written to the seven churches. And there was a big king. His name is Diocletian. This is the guy who came out of, of nothing. And he decided to kill all the Christians. And when John had a dream about the seven churches, he had no clue that the seven churches will kill from this guy. He killed the women, he raped even children, he, he, he took off the heads, and he made so many bad, bad, bad things. And a lot of Christians, they were in a big stadium, and they knew the next morning they will draw us to the lions. The lion will eat us up. Can you imagine all the Christians that were together in this arena? They lost women, they lost children, they were persecuted. They know exactly if God is not doing a miracle, we will be dead the next day. Can you imagine when they're reading the book of Revelation 2,000 years ago? Why should God make this thing so complicated? Say, I'm not sure if you get it in one night before you die, the book of Revelation. Maybe you'll figure out the Antichrist is the internet. 2,000 years ago, there were no such thing as an internet. Oh, if you studied about the right, it's the G6 who becomes the G12 now. Maybe you figured out. Oh, if you read the Bible carefully, it's the Russians, the bad guys. Do you think the book of Revelation was helpful for them? I told you about the grizzly bear. When we're reading the book of Revelation, we say, we don't get the grizzly bear. But for the first Christians, they understood every single word in the book of Revelation. It spoke straight to them. Because before there were the Olympic Games... They had also like games and these times. The games had an opening. There were four horses. There were seals. Everything, everything when they wrote about it in the book of Revelation, they know exactly what God is talking about. It speaks, spoke direct to them. The people before they die, they had one picture, one message in the book of Revelation. Do you know what it, what it, what it was? The book of Revelation, the prophetic Bible verse, has one specific task. If you don't see it true anymore, because you're sick, you have problems at your work, in your family, whatever, you don't see it true anymore. The word of prophecy is like pushing away until you see Jesus again. If you're facing trials, if you're going to a rough season in your life, so many times you don't see God anymore in charge of your life. The prophetic words in the Bible has this profound message. When the first Christian read it in the stadiums, in the arena, they know we will die. The message from God was, all your tears, I will put it away one day. One day there will be no crying anymore, no death, no, 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 no killing. Everything will come to end because I am the Alpha and the Omega. I'm the beginning and the end. And I'm still in charge of your life. All the prophetic words, letters in the Bible, for the people at this time, they understood every single word. It was a message from God. I'm still on the throne. 
I still rule. I'm still over those people. They're killing you right now. For those people, it was a profound message from God, specific in their lives. You know what happens even in your life? Just think about it for a moment. When you're going to a rough season or you're going to the doctor and the report is bad, all of a sudden, you do not see true anymore. You need a word from a small group leader, from a pastor, from a friend who says, hey, I know you're going through a rough season, but we don't praise God only in low seasons. We praise God in high seasons, and we praise God even in low seasons. And friends will tell you, let's take the curtain away. Let's see again, even what you're going through, God is still ruling over your life. Are there some areas in your life where you're struggling right now? You do not see the grace of God anymore. You don't understand why you're going through what you're going through. I want to tell you the words of the prophetic words in the Bible has this profound point. God is still on the throne and he will have the last word even in your life. When the Christians were in the arena and they know if God is not doing a miracle, we will be dead tomorrow. They knew it. For them, it wasn't a contradiction. Today, it's very funny because when you're talking with people today, they say, they're saying, suffering, it's not possible for a Christian. Because when you believe in God, everything is fine. We're going from glory to glory, from level to level, from blessing to blessing, from billions to the millions, quadrillions and flights and plaques and cars, whatever. 250 years ago in the church history, that was not the case. For the Christians to go into a rough season, even be dead because we believe in Christ, was no contradiction was not a big deal, not a big problem. Anymore. Doesn't mean that God is not in charge in their life. I want to go back a little bit like in church history because I had so many discussions last week in Germany. So many people asked me why some people get healed, some people are not get healed. We have the prophetic words from God to us that he's our healer, our redeemer. Why these things not happen to us? Let's go back and study a little bit church history. Church history is so profound in many, many areas. The Irish revelation, the Irish um, yeah, revelation, they were like monks. The monks, they was like this. If you were sick, you came to a cloister. And the monks, they prayed for you, that God will heal you. If you not immediately get healed, they never said, you have a problem. You're living in sin or you don't have enough faith. It was the opposite. If you say, if I pray as a pastor for you, you not get healed. It means I as a pastor, I have not the anointing. Something is wrong about me. Let's pause for a moment. Church, today it's different. The pastor prays for me, it's fine. Those are not getting healed, they have the problem. But it was never the case in church history. They were said, the leader, when they praying, God will do a miracle. What happened if a person not get healed immediately? They invented medicine. They started building like um, doctors and, 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 and hospitals. They said, if a prayer doesn't work, we believe in medicine. We will invent medicine. People going to a doctor and we believe this is healing too. Now comes the point. If the prayer didn't work, the medicine didn't work, they know exactly nothing will help you. They built some houses where all the sick people went and they said, we want to help you growing to a really rough time with honoring 
and respect. We want to guide you, that comes the word, straight into heaven. They never use the word dead. We want to lead you with dignity into heaven. And this is not, a, not in our minds anymore. We always speak about healing right now. Healing, uh, receive it or slow healing. But if a person doesn't heal, we have a big, big theology um, fruit salad. A big, big mess in our church in Christianity. Not that not faith is carrying me anymore. I carry the faith in Christianity and it's totally wrong. I want to tell you so, write, write, write something. If God heals all this, God heals all this. He's the healer. Either God heals you right now through a prayer, which, was, which I believe. If not, we have medicine, hospital, and doctor. If those things are not working, we're leading people into eternity with dignity, value, and a big, big respect. We're living today like heaven will not exist. Heaven is a reality where you want to be healthy, strong, blessed, anointed forever. And this was the whole picture of all the churches. Even when the book of Revelation was written to the first Christians, they said, even when we are dying, there is a promise of God. One day there will be a place. There are no tears anymore. No crying anymore, no death anymore, nothing anymore because God is on the throne forever. Let's think about, about the black people, the African people in America. When they worked, they were slaves. They were Christians and believed in God and were slaves. Let's think for a moment about the songs. Soon and very soon. We are going to see the king soon and very soon. We are going to see the king. And it says even in the song, there will be no crying there anymore. No dying there anymore. This was for them a prophetic word. Either God saves us, redeems us right now on this planet earth. But if this is not, will not happen here, we have a double hope in you that one day in eternity, God is on the throne forever and ever and ever. Do you know that God is on, on the throne in your life forever? Forever and ever? I think for. The, that kind of effect, let's give God a big hand. This is a big, big statement. This is a big, big statement tonight. You understand the prophetic words in the Bible. When you are in big problems, if you're reading Isaiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, it touches me because it's always the message to me, Leo, the same God helped Daniel, helped the people of God. It's the same God who's helping me as well. I want to go to the second point. The biblical prophecy reveals God's heart. There is no book in the Bibles, no books in the Bibles, where the emotions of God explained more than the biblical words, books. God has so much emotions, so much feelings. I mean, poesy, it's like a flower language. The letters are nice, written from Paul. But the, the prophetic words in the Bible... You see the heartbeat of God for your personal life. Let's go to a really long Bible verse in Amos chapter 5, 21 to 27. And when you read this, you will figure out 
It's crazy. I hate, I despise your religion festivals. Your assemblies are a strange to me. Even though you bring me burn offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. Though you bring joyous fellowship offerings, I will have no regard for them. Anyway, with the noise of your songs, I will not listen to the music of your harps. With other words, I quit the iTunes for your church. I, I don't like your songs anymore. Now he says, I will not listen to the music of your harps, but let's just roll on like a river, righteousness like a never-failing stream. Did you bring me sacrifices and offerings 40 years in the wilderness? People of Israel, it's just a question. You have lifted up the shrine of your king, the deepest thralls of your idols, the star of your God, which you made for yourself. Therefore, I will send you into the exile beyond Damascus, says the Lord, whose name is Almighty. This kind of Bible verse you find so many times in the Old Testament. And now a lot of people say, I knew it. God is really a heavy God. God is not a lot of fun. God is a finger. He points your finger on you. What are you doing wrong? I knew it. God is not funny. It's nothing to play against it. It's holy. Holy. Whatever the word holy means, it sounds like holy. The thing is like this. If you are a mom or dad, and if you have children, and for 30 times you're saying the same thing, don't do that. It's not, you, you don't say, don't do that because you like the word, don't do that. A lot of parents say the words, no, 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 no. It's not about the no, it's not about the don't do that. It's more about as a father, mom, you know exactly this is not good for the kids. And after 30 times, you're coming to a point like Amos says, hey, sorry, I don't care anymore. Do whatever you want to do. And if you believe that your choice will make you happy, let's see afterwards. And God says, I let you go. Let it go. Let it go. And God says, I let it go. But here in the text, there's so much emotion. I, I don't like the songs anymore. With others, God is saying, I'm looking for you. I'm searching for you. I want to have a relationship with you only because you are emotional. It's when you're getting really rough and tough. Like if mom and dad says, then do whatever you want to do. And the cool thing is like this. If people do what they do and they figure out it's not healthy, they're coming back broken to God and God says, I told you, you little sucker. Why are you doing what you're doing? You think I'm stupid? I'm still on the throne. And in the book of prophecy, there are emotions from God. Let's go through some emotions. Like urgency. You see the urgency from God. I want to draw you back to the God's heart. Like joy. In the book of Sephani, God is saying every morning when God thinks about you, whole heaven is celebrating. Question mark. If you're standing up in the morning, you're looking at your mirror, are you celebrating yourself? God is celebrating every day about you. God's anger. I made miracles. I healed the blinds. 
I make so many miracles, but I'm so angry. Why? You take everything for granted? You only get angry because you have emotions. If God has no emotions, say, oh, it's not my problem, it's your choice. Boom, fertig. God has also brokenness. Jesus, Jerusalem, I tried to collect you, but you didn't accept the word of God. Or like helpness. The, the ark, God destroyed the people and only some people survived in the ark. But after the ark, the same mess started again. And God said, why? I've killed the people. It was for nothing. I cannot change that anymore. God has a longing for you. I want to explain this with a very, very profound story. And Nicky Cruz, a former gang guy from New York, he, he looks like very cool and old and handsome. But when he was young, he killed people. And the police, they were afraid about him. And one day, Pastor David Wilkerson went to Nicky Cruz and said, Nicky, Jesus loves you. And this guy said, hey, are you crazy? Have you ever clue, no, have you, have you, have you clue who I am? I'm the guy who's killing people. And then Nicky Cruz said to David Wilkerson, I cut you in 1,000 pieces. Then the pastor said, you can cut me in 1,000 pieces, but every piece will stream at you, scream at you, and telling you, Jesus loves you. We can cut God in 1,000 pieces, but every piece will scream at you, I love you, and I always will love you, and I believe in you, and nothing on his planet's earth can separate me from you. The emotions of God went so far. One day God offered the people of God a divorce letter. He said, let's divorce. Why God asked for divorce? But God said, I am the one who is faithful. I am the one who never betrayed you. I am the one my heart is bleeding. And you all the times you're doing wrong things. And I'm the guy who's faithful, believing in you. And I can't stand it any longer. And God said, let's divorce with each other. I don't want to be your God anymore because you're breaking my heart. The divorce letter is a message that God is faithful forever. For the people of God, it was God is on the throne. And he has so much emotion. If you want to know about the emotions of God, read the prophetic Bible verses in the Bible. You see the emotions of God in amazing ways. I want to close with one last thought. When Jesus is on the throne, he wants to divorce with me because he cannot handle the, the hurts anymore. What is my position? My position is like worship. It's like this. God, I bow my, bow my heart. My life is yours. Be my God. Be my Savior. And God is an encourager. The word encourager means he gives me uh, courage. He lays the picture in me. And when I realize that God is on the throne, he has a passion for me. Then comes the question, how does God think about me? How does God think about me? I want to ask you the question, who are you? Who are you? Who are you? How does God think about you? I want to close with the question, who are you? When I was in Germany, I had a small interview and the guy asked me on the stage, out of the blue, what is your biggest characteristics? 
And I had to think. And I came out with a very brief word. I said to the German people, I'm beautiful. Half of the people left and half were shocked. And I said, have I said something wrong? I know those that are not laughing, you're thinking, this guy is very proud. He's very convinced about himself. You know what is the problem? When the devil was in heaven, he was the best worship leader. He was gifted. He was charismatic gifted. He wants to be like God. God kicked out the devil from heaven because he had to comprom- he started to comp- comp- compare himself with God. Comparison is straight from the hell. And God kicked out the devil from hell. But so many devil thoughts are still in us. Because when you not can say, I am beautiful. Then you measure yourself with other people. You compare yourself with other people. How does God think about you? Every day when God looks at you, He said, you are so beautiful. You are so handful. My hands has formed you in the mother's womb. With other words, God is saying, there are no such thing as ugly people. Do you think God says, oh, you ugly. Oh, sorry, Monday morning, we created you, but uh, we were very tired. <laughs> Peter, how long is? 80 years, no way. No flipping way. Let's take her back home. God will never say you ugly. The position of God, how God thinks about you, you are beautiful. You're anointed. You're gifted. You're more than a conqueror. You're not a victim. You're a victor. And God thinks about you. And all the prophetic books in the Bible has the message, I'm not done with you. I'm still on the throne. I'm on control in every area of your life. I will never divorce. Even my heart is burning, exploding in 1,000 pieces. God reveals his emotions in the prophetic books, in the Bibles. I want to close the celebration with like, let's do like a proclamation together. Let's proclaim some truths over your lives because the book of prophecy is saying, I see your potential and God is still on the throne. Let's stand up for a moment. I know it's very hard to get up, standing up out of these comfortable seats, sorry. Yeah, let's do that. It's very hard. Let's proclaim for a moment the truth. I want to say like, Lord, today I believe, receive and declare that I have your favor in my life. I am blessed. I'm a victor. I'm not a victim. You invest in my success for your glory. And what I see in my hands will prosper. I'm a whole and a favorite person because you grace to Christ and receive it all in Jesus Christ. Let's proclaim this right now. Are you ready? Lord, today I believe. I receive and I declare that I have your favor in my life. I am blessed. I'm a victor, not a victim. You have invested in my success for your glory and what I see my hands to do will prosper. I'm a whole and a favorite person because the grace to Jesus Christ 
and I receive all in Jesus Christ and I am beautiful I'm handsome I am gifted I am blessed <laughs>